the letter of Ephesians. Amen? Amen? Amen. And we keep talking about how the very first three chapters, uh, it's basically finding our identity. Amen? Our identity. Because uh, sometimes we believe we're those names that they called us in the streets, or our teachers called us, or our coaches called us, or even, you know, our parents have called us, or, you know, friends have called us. Sometimes we, we take those names and we think that's who we are. Why else everybody still calls us the same name? Right? Amen? And so we find out who we really are, that we are chosen by God. We were purchased or redeemed by the Son. And not to mention we were sealed by the Spirit. Amen? That we were dead in our trespasses, in our sin, but God's grace. Someone say God's grace. God's favor toward us. While we're still yet sinners, he died for us. He paid the price for us. That's how special you are. Amen? God doesn't buy junk. He only purchases the best. And so when you learn how to discover who you are, you begin to discover that you are somebody. That you have purpose. Amen? That we were once children of wrath. Children of the devil. Destined for hell. Destruction. And yet God, so rich in his mercy, he, he, he came and he saved us. Amen? He saved us. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what the physical looks like, we are already sitting in heavenly places. I said we're already sitting in heavenly places. And so he teaches us how to sit at his feet. Because when you learn to find the one that saved you and died for you and purchased you, it's like a, a like. Like you realize that that you found your prince, you found your best friend, you found your dad, you found your king, you found what you were looking for, you found your savior. And so you learn how to sit at his feet and listen to instruction. So the first three chapters are telling us instruction. Amen. Biblical instruction. Biblical principles. I'm going to say principles. These are our standard. This is where our foundation lies. Listen, don't start building until you learn who you are. Don't start building until you learn who you're building for. Amen. Don't start building until you realize how to build. Amen. And so the Bible says this, and and I'm going to read it to you real quick. It's in Ephesians chapter 2, and everything is in this. Verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's masterpiece. Amen. We are God's clay. He is the potter. We are God's canvas. He is the artist. Amen. We are God's song. He is a songwriter. We are his masterpiece. Turn your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. Oh, you couldn't even say to your neighbor because you just got an argument with that person. Teenagers, you're a masterpiece, no matter what your parents think. They may, say, they may think that you're something else right now, but you are a masterpiece. You are a, a poem. Amen. 
You are something beautiful and God created you and he called you before the foundations of the world. He chose you before the foundations of the world. He knitted you before the foundations of the world. And, and even though right now it doesn't look like we're a masterpiece, it more feels like we're in pieces. Someone say, thank God. God knows how to pick up those pieces. And he knows how to make something out of those pieces. Amen. God knows how to take whatever other, other people's junk and make a masterpiece out of it. When you were rejected by the world, amen. When you were rejected by the world, when you were tossed out, you paid all this money, you, you know, it's, you paid all this money and you get, and you, you just put it out there for Salvation Army or somebody to take it. And you don't realize what the value of that thing was worth. Amen. But you get, you get your time and you, you fix it and you refine it. Come on. And that's what God did with us when, when the world threw us out like we were no good. Like in, like in Ezekiel talks about or, where you were tossed out to die, left to die. He says, listen, that person's mine. And so he picked you up and he purchased you with his own blood and he put you in. Amen. I am somebody. Now, listen, there's a difference with the world thinks when I when they say I am somebody, it's out of pride and arrogance and and like, you know, self-esteem where it's not about self-esteem. It's about God esteem. Amen. But everything is work. Amen. Everything is work. And so we get to the point where it talks about, listen, walk in unity. Walking in unity takes work. Walking in purity takes work. Walking in love takes work. Love is an action word. How many people told you they love you and yet there was no action behind it? Amen? Because they say they love you, but they weren't willing to put the work in it. That's not love. Amen? Walk in wisdom. And so we have to learn these things. We learn how to sit. We learn how to walk. We have to learn how to work. And he's talking about living in harmony. So he starts off, be submissive to one another. He just starts off that first. And then he says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And all the husbands said? I said, and all the husbands say? Some of your wives are not even here because they're not submissive. Let's keep it real. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Some of your husbands are not here. I mean, your wives are not here because you're not loving them. Hello? You understand only submission comes when you are the head of your home. And you're only the head of your home is when you learn how to love. Because if you don't learn how to love and you don't love your wife, you disqualify yourself. You can't just be a, a tyrant or somebody that's rude and, and nasty and expect your wife to do what you want him to do. That doesn't work. You disqualified yourself. When you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself, guess what? You become back that high priest. Not too many claps. That's okay. And then it says, children, obey your parents. Can I get an amen from the parents? Can I get an amen from the parents? And it was, we're talking about, it's like a coach calling the final play in the Super Bowl. Amen? Whatever play he calls, we are all going to run it. We don't need our wives to tell us, I think you should call a run instead of a pass. That's just my opinion. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And then you say it in front of the team. So in case it doesn't work, the wife's like, hmm, I told you. 
should have listened to me. Yes, Eve. If we call a pass play, it's a pass play. If it's a Super Bowl and we go out, we go out as a team. We go out as a family. Amen. I'll give you an example. Last year, you know, last year the Super Bowl, remember? Why didn't the Seahawks call a run play when you have Marshawn Lynch, the beast? Right? One yard. And, and they have commercials about it. Uh, they have jokes about it. And, they, and they're saying, he, that was the dumbest play ever called. There's no way in the world Marshall Fall, I mean, Marshall Fall, Marshawn Lynch shouldn't got a one yard. But last week, it was overtime. They played against the best team called the Rams. They needed one yard. And so what? The coach goes, you know what? Let me listen to these guys because they were right. I should have called. They called a run play. He lost two yards. Now, the circumstance was different. One was a Super Bowl. One was the beginning of the year. But it doesn't matter. If he knew something would have worked, then he should have called would have worked. He should not have just listened to everybody else. He has a responsibility. To the owner, not to the players. Hello, not to the players, but to the owner. And men, you have a responsibility to God. Not to your wife, not to your children. You have a responsibility to God to be a good steward over your wife and to be a good steward over your children. But when you hear a play from God, you better call that play, Adam. Lest you find yourself naked behind a tree hiding. The woman you gave me. You didn't mind the woman the whole time. Amen. Listen, life is work. I said life is work. I said life is work. This is why it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Life is work. Hey, being in unity is work. Being a good father is work. Being a good son is work. Being a good friend is work. Being, hey, it takes work. It, we, you know what the problem is? We, we live in a society we want to quit all the time. I don't like this church. I'll go to another church. I don't like my job. I'm going to quit that job. I don't like my school. I'm going to go to a different school. Right? I don't like Target. I'm going to Walmart. <laughs> we, we, have a, we have that attitude of, you know what, that we think that we deserve something. Like, we are entitled to something. We have this victim mentality that, you know, my dad, you know, listen, my dad wasn't there for me. Well, listen, my dad was there for me. Sometimes I wish he wasn't. And I'm not saying it in a negative way. Is that he was there for me, but he was crazy. So whether your dad was there, wasn't there, your mom was there, wasn't there, whether this, whether that. Listen, we are responsible for our own action. We have to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I'll give you an example. It's, except for Veronica, she's always, yeah, my, my life was perfect. I, good job. My good friends. Never, right, Veronica? Who had a best friend that used to have one? Just me. Who likes a job that they, me. Man, you, she, she's still anointed. You're lucky, Carla. Carlos, you're lucky, eh? Everybody except for Veronica. Who had a hard life with their family growing up? Raise your hand. Welcome to the group, right? Welcome to reality. Who's seen their parents fight? Who's seen their parents do this? Who's, who, who went without? Who, who struggled through life? Who, who, come on, anybody? Raise your hand if you've seen that. See, Veronica didn't. 
Living with Carlos is bad enough, right? But everybody has gone through something. Amen? Every one of us had struggle. So quit using that this and that and take responsibility where you're at today. Amen? Amen? Grow up and work it out. Quit quitting. You know, why'd you leave him? Well, you know, just fell out of love. It's not why you, you just don't want to work it out. You just don't want to work it out. It takes, it takes easier just to quit. But you don't know the results when you quit. You didn't know what was around the corner. I said, you don't know what was around the corner. I had people quit on me my whole life. Look at me now. I'm be- I have a beautiful wife. I didn't say I'm beautiful. Thank you, sir. Father, we just pray against that spirit in the name of Jesus. I have a beautiful wife. I got beautiful friends. I got beautiful church. I got beautiful in-laws, right, Pop? Right? I mean, my hair didn't come back, but I can't get it all, you know? But you, you understand, but what about the people who quit on me? What about people that, you know, that, that said I was nothing and this and that? Look it, they'd miss out because they quit instead of working it out. Come on, somebody. This is for somebody. This is for somebody. This is for somebody. And if you don't do the way of the Lord and you try to work it out yourself like Abraham, you know, I'm going to help God out. I know he's not saved, but I'm going to, you know, I can get him saved. You're, you're making a big mistake, and that's for somebody out there. You're, you may say, well, he looks cute and he has a job. Listen, looking cute and have a job, so does Satan. He's handsome and he has a job. And his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. You're, you're missing it. And to, and, to you, and to you guys there and say, man, she's beautiful. And she, you know, she's this and she's that. Let me explain to you something. She may be beautiful, but if she's not going to church, that's going to fade. And she doesn't know the Lord, she's not going to be loyal. If she can't be loyal to God, how in the world is she going to be loyal to you? Uh, you don't want to hear this. You want one of those soft messages. And you wonder why our society's all messed up. Because we want to do it our way. We want to manipulate and lie and hide and cheat and steal and do these things. And all of a sudden the results, when, when, you know, when all these things start manifesting and all hell breaks loose on us, then we're calling on to God instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus first, getting our biblical instruction, amen, our principles down, and learn how to live practical. And so... Be submissive to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. And here's another one. Parents, quit provoking your children to anger. Quit mocking your children. Quit teasing your children. Quit torturing your children. They're not you. When I was your age, you know, I don't want you to do that because when I was, you're, they're, not, they're not you. Your job is to be a steward over them, instruct them. Their job is to live out their own salvation. Amen? Now, don't let them be lazy. You heard, Pastor. I'm going to make my own mind up. You sure are. You're going to church. And if you're 17 and you're not doing, you don't want to play no sports or do some, something else, get a job. But I go to school. Yep. And right after school, you're getting a job. Because you ain't living with me forever. 
Amen. And we have this little baby mentality. Oh, look at get baby him, baby him. When he's 25 years old, seven, 28 years old, still living with you. You're like, man, that's cold, Pastor. That's cold. No, there's a difference. When, when, when somebody lives with you as a family because they want to get on their feet and they want to do something, rather than someone just sitting home playing video games at 28 years old. I've been thinking about getting a job. But the new Halo 17.3 is coming out. <laughs> Haven't anybody seen that commercial by State, uh, State Farm? And he sits his parents down and goes, I have to move out. I want to thank you for letting me do my, you know, do my English accent. Anybody see that one? That's a cool commercial, huh? It's time for me to leave, but I'm leaving my Python with you. Ever anybody see that one? I think that's hilarious. But that's true. That's America right now. It really is. Amen. We got to learn how to grow up. Amen? We have to learn how to grow up. Hey, listen, we had to grow up. Remember that? We were a certain age and we had to grow up. We turned out okay. <laughs> but yet we're, ra we're raising a society of, of people that are soft and quitters and, and, and not committed. Amen? You ain't hearing me. And so now we go into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Now I want to start right there. It says, someone say, bond servants. Employees, students, team, bond servants. Someone say bond servants. Another translation had slaves, but I like the word bond servants. How many of you work? Raise your hand if you work. How many people like work? No, how many of you work? Let's raise your hand if you like work. And just say, if you work, right, right, you are a bond servant. You have a job. You are a bond servant. How many people go to school? You are a bond servant. How many people are on a team? You, a, a, you are a bond servant. You're on a team. You are a bond servant. Let me tell you something, the difference between a slave and a bond servant. Amen. You are not sentenced to work. What does that mean? When you, you got hired, anybody get hired when they went to work? You what? Filled out an application, right? Or you asked for the job, right? Amen? Let's, let's keep it clear. When you got a job, you filled out an application. Or you asked to work at that certain place and you got somebody hired. You knew what you were getting to when you got hired. You filled out the application. You went to school to get what you're doing today. Amen? Nobody's twisting your arm. You, a, you are a bond servant. There's a difference. You're not a slave like they were back then. They had no choice in the matter. You have a choice. How many people on our football team? You don't have to play if you don't like it. You join the team. How many people go to school, college or something? Guess what? You're paying to go to college. You, you just signed up. You got to go. Bond servants. So that includes all of us. Bond servants. That means we have a choice in the matter. Unlike they had a choice at the time, there were thousands and millions of slaves who had no choice. And yet Paul writes them and says, Bond servants or slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Someone say, as to Christ. 
not as eye service, as man pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. In other words, give God your best at work. Don't clock in late, clock out early. Take an extra loud, making personal phone calls at work. Internet service at work. After all, you are getting paid. Taking extra long doing what you have to do. Now listen, there's time for emergencies and stuff. Come on, somebody. There is a big difference. There is a big difference. That even includes, listen to me, that even includes reading the Bible. Why you're supposed to be clocked into work. You, that's blasphemy, pastor. You want me, you, I can't read the Bible at work? No. Are you getting paid by Jesus? Does he sign your check? You're working for him, underneath him, and he's guiding you and seeing what you're doing. There is a time to read your Bible. There's called lunch. Oh, no, I got to eat my top ramen. Read your Bible at lunch. Get on the internet at lunch. Make your personal phone calls at lunch. Do what you got to do because guess what? When you get paid and you're robbing them, what you're really doing is robbing God. Because when you come rob God, when you rob them, your employer, and guess what? And then you try to put your tithe in with money you didn't work for because you, who are you robbing? You're robbing yourself of a blessing. And let me tell you something. God sees everything you do. I said God sees everything you do. You know, I know it's just cheese pizza, but he's my friend. I'm going to add some pepperonis to it. After all, they should have gave me a raise. I'm going to take a few pins. I'm going to, I'm going to do a few things and, because you know what? They should have gave me a raise. Let me tell you something. When, when God wants to give you a raise, you'll get a raise. In fact, sometimes he, 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 sometimes he allows certain circumstances to happen in your life to see what you're made of. You, you're missing that. Some of you are getting all offended. You're like, man, pastor, I came to get some good news. This is good news. It's going to help you. You need to learn how to clock in and work hard instead of having 75 different jobs. I don't know what it's, you know, it's just something that he didn't like me. Well, he didn't like you, neither the 10 other um, bosses that you had. I mean, that, that sounds, you know, weird to me. It's always the boss's fault. How many jobs you had? 18. He just didn't like the way I worked harder than everybody else. I mean, come on, bro. We're not. Let's keep it real. There's a reason why you keep losing job after job after job after job. And there's a reason why somebody has been working for the same company for 20-something years. Amen? And whether you like that person or not, you're not working for that person in a sense under the spiritual realm. You're working unto God. And when you work hard and when you labor hard, listen, you can sleep good at night. I mean, I put a good day's wage in. And you know what God does? God stretches your money. I said, God stretches your money. I'll say it again. God stretches your money. You're not working for that person. You're working for God. Your food will last longer. Your gas will last longer. Your, come on, somebody. 
bond servants. I don't like the way he coaches. I quit. Right? Don't we do that? Right? We, we like to call play after it's done. Aren't we good at that? Mon- we're got, they, they call them Monday morning quarterbacks. Man, if I was, you know, the coach, man, I would have called a triple reverse flea flicker punt. I don't know why he tried to call that play. I would have called this play and that play and that, this play and that play. And we're good at calling plays after the fact. Come on, after the fact. There was, a, there was a game yesterday where this guy got hit, and he threw the ball like this. It bounced on someone's head, and everybody's like, oh, and the guy caught it and ran for a touchdown. Oh, great play, great play. <laughs> it wasn't a great play. The quarterback should have got, you know, took a knee or got tackled right there, but he just threw it, and it bounced on someone's head. Listen, that's not the way it works. I'm going to tell you something now that's going to help you out. Sometimes God puts teachers in your life to teach you. God puts coaches in your life to coach you. God puts bosses or, or, or those who are ahead of you in your life to see what you're made of. Hey, it's not about them. It's not about your coach. It's not about your teacher. It's not about your boss. It's about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. All the teachers I hate, I loved when I got older. You know why I hated them? Because they made me work. They were doing something in my mind. They were doing something in my heart. My history teacher, my government teacher, they were the worst, but they were the best because I know more about government and history than I did about anything else. The other ones were like, don't worry about it. B, just run a touchdown. Oh, I love this teacher. He's so good. He's a cool guy. I mean, he gave me a B for looking good, scoring a touchdown. Man, I need more teachers like that. No, you don't. You need more people who are going to discipline you. You, know, you need more people that you're going to trust. You need more people that have, hey, let me explain to you something. There was a player or, 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 or a worker or whatever you want to call him or a student. His name was King David. And before he was a king, he was a shepherd boy underneath his father, underneath his brothers. Then he was invited to go to the kingdom to bring some cheese to his brothers. And then he fights this Goliath. He knocks him out. So Saul sees him and says, you know what? I want him in my kingdom. I want him to play music for me. I'm going to hire him. And so he hires him. And he becomes jealous of him. And sometimes they get jealous of you because you're better than them. I'll be honest with you. Maybe you work harder than them. Maybe you have something better than them. Maybe you play harder than them. Maybe you're a better student than some people, and yet you feel like they just pick on you or or they don't let you play or or they don't give you the right money that you deserve. And maybe that happens. And you know what? David had the attitude. is like, listen, you can say whatever, Saul, but I'm not here for you. I'm just going to play music for the Lord. And when I go to war, I'm going to war for the Lord. And so what Saul does, he becomes jealous of him, and he says, you know, he's his boss, and he's playing beautiful music. It's like, can you imagine if you, all of the worship team was playing music, and I got mad, and I threw a spear at, um, at um, Sammy? Like, whew. And Sammy's like, what was that for? You know, I, I thought I was doing pretty good. And so I got another one, and just, whew. And finally he goes, look, and listen, you, you, you almost pinned me to the wall. You almost killed me. In fact, I, I, I'm not going to quit. I'm thinking I'm going to take a vacation for a little bit before you really kill me. And there's a difference. If it's going to cost you your life, you need to run. If someone's throwing a real spear at you or doing something violent to you, you got to get out of that job. Hello? But if they're, you know what? If they're just jealous of you, you stick it out until they start doing that. 
And David stuck it out to a point where he couldn't stick it out anymore. And he had to go, and Saul sent thousands of men to go search for him. And he winds up in a cave. Someone say, in a cave. And he winds up in a cave, and Saul goes looking for him with all these men. And Saul goes to the same cave as David. Because that's how jealous he, of he, he was of his good works. Hello? Of his good works, of his faithfulness. And let me tell you something. There's going to be an enemy out there who's going to be jealous of your good works. There are going to be people that are out there that are jealous. Don't worry about those people. You keep doing what God's called you to do. And so he's jealous of Saul, I mean David, and he falls asleep. And the crazy thing is, guess what? He falls asleep in David's cave. And so David's men come back to him and say, listen, God is good. They really said that. God is so good. He's there for the taking. He's there for the killing. God delivered him into your hands. What else could you do? And yet David, being a man of character, being a man of the promise, come on somebody, being a man of faithfulness, being a man of obedience, being a man after God's heart, you know what he says? You know what, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show him I could have killed him. Because we do that sometimes. Amen. I said, amen. Let me talk to this section over here. This, this section, amen. Let me talk to this section. There's a time where you know you have something on somebody. And you could get them. You could shank them. Come on, somebody. You could blast them. You could do something and you have it and you're holding it. And you know what? That's a bad attitude. You're wrong over here. <laughs> but you have something on somebody and he had something on Saul. You know what he had? He had a piece of his garment that he cut off because he could have cut his head off. Like he did Goliath. He knows how to cut heads off. He cut the head off a giant in a, in a regular fight. And yet this guy sleeping next to him, he could have cut his head off and been done with him and been king because he was anointed as king. He was put, the oil was over him. And he could have took over right there, then in that spot. But you know what he said? He goes to the other side and, and Saul wakes up and comes out and he goes, he goes, Saul, I could have killed you. I have something on you. And he kind of boasted a little bit, just a little bit. You know what? Come on. He boasted a little bit. And you know what? After that was done, Saul went back home, and David, his heart broke. He said, I should have never, never touches the Lord anointed. It broke his heart. The Bible says his, his heart broke, melted within him, and he says, I should have never touched the Lord's anointed. If my boss is going to do that to me, I should have never touched the Lord. You know why? Because everybody that's in your life that's over you is for a special purpose to see what type of character you really are. I said, come on, somebody. Your boss, your coach, your teacher, your husband. Come on. These people are on you to see what type of person you are. And you know what? David didn't deal with that. Even though his heart was broken, he had a little pride and arrogance when he numbered the people. It backfired on him. Because everything was set in order. God doesn't make mistakes. You don't like your boss, then you know what? You're, what you're really saying is, God, I'm mad at you. If you don't like your coach, what you're really saying, God, I'm mad at you. If you don't like your teachers, what you're saying, if you don't like your pastor, you got a problem. <laughs> I got something on pastor. I got a little piece of his robe, and I'm going to hold it, and one day I'm going to use it against him. <laughs> You don't need to use a little piece. I'll tell you, everybody, I'm messed up. I fight with my wife. How about that? I fight with my kids. I fight with myself. I make mistakes. I'm a sinner. And you know what like we like to do? We like to judge people according to their sin because we're hiding ours. 
Oh, but their sin's a big sin. Let me tell you something. Sin is sin. Guess what? One of them will cause you to die. I said one of them will cause you to die. Bond servants. Be obedient to your masters. But you don't know. But you don't know. But God knows. I'm pretty sure none of your, I'm pretty sure none of your masters were like Saul. Name one of your, 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 your bosses or teachers or coaches threw a spear at you. One of my coaches threw a helmet at me, but I was already protected. Come on, somebody. I was protected. He threw a helmet at me. I just... He's probably teaching me how to dance. I don't know. But we're bond servants. We're not slaves. You're here this morning because you're a bond servant. You had a choice to come here. You had a choice to come here. You know what? I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor, what about the people in prison? They didn't ask to, you know, to, to be underneath the, uh, those guys, the guards. Why? Yeah, they did. They paid for it. When they committed the crime, they paid for it. They asked to go into prison. They asked to go to jail. When they committed crime, listen, they were, they were free before they went to jail. Hello, they were free men, but they, their, their sin or their, their mess, when they messed up, they, they caused themselves to go underneath those little sheriffs that tell them what to do. I didn't listen to him. Yeah, you are. How many people been to jail? I don't care how small that sheriff, you're going to listen to him because he has 17 other friends that are going to come and help you. Amen? There was a thing that my, my friend used to say, my cousin Bobby, when we were in the men's home. We used to have meetings with the, men's, the men, right? He says, you guys are going to mind somebody. You, wa- you might as well mind me because he was in charge of the men's home. You're going to mind somebody, whether in here or out there or in prison or wherever you go. You're going to mind. You might as well mind me. And I used to laugh about it, but you know what? It makes sense. We're going to mind somebody, but we might as well mind him. We might as well be obedient. We might as well work hard. We might as well get paid well. We might as well be prosperous. Let me tell you something. You, people might not see it, but God sees it. This is what the problem is. We like to do it in front of people. We're man pleasers. Amen? Pastor Hank knows we, we used to be in the men's home, and it, they're supposed to be praying, and we hear them fighting and messing around. We walk in, they're like, oh, shut up, We just heard you guys fighting over pizza. You know, you're on your phone. Somebody comes in. Just working hard. Just doing my job. As soon as they leave. You don't think God sees that? You don't think God sees that? You don't think God wants to prosper you and bless you? He blesses obedience greater than your sacrifice. Bond servants, be obedient to your masters. Just the way David was to Saul. And let me tell you something. Who had the last laugh at the end? I said, who had the last laugh at the end? Who walked in the kingdom dancing and feeding? 
He wants to feed everybody in dancing and praising and God. Listen, listen, if your boss or somebody in your life is doing something bad, God will deal with him just the way he dealt with Saul. I'll say it again. If there's somebody in your life that's mistreating you or abusing you or doing, God's going to deal with them the same way he dealt with Saul. But if you look at through life and those who were strict on you and those who were hard on you and those who really cared about you, you always say, man, I should have kept that job. I know that person was a jerk, but he taught me so much. I know that coach was a punk, but guess what? He taught me how to coach. He taught me how to see things different. I know that teacher was messed up, but he taught me something that I carried on for the rest. Because those who care about you will teach you lessons. Those who don't care about you will let you just pass by like all the other players and all the other employers and all the other people. And they just go, go ahead, go ahead. Just get your two plays in and get out. But if someone cares about you, they're going to they're gonna speak good about you and speak life into you. Bond servants, be obedient to your masters. And you know what, masters? If, you, if, you have a, if you're the boss, be good to your, your workers. If you're a coach, be good to your players. If you're a teacher, be good to your students. Because you're going to be accountable. You're going to be accountable. The way you treat them is the way God's going to deal with you. I said the way you treat them, the way, God, the, the way God's going to deal with you. Let me tell you something. I told you me and my wife have sometimes we have little arguments. And sometimes those little arguments become big. And sometimes I feel like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. And guess what? Then all of a sudden I remember that she's God's daughter. And then I begin to say, if I do something crazy, her dad's going to get me. Even Pop might try to do something too, but you know, I think I could take him maybe. But the fear of God, the fear of like, if I mess with my children that God gave me, then God's going to deal with me. And let me tell you something, I would rather deal with a hundred men than a mighty God. And David, David learned from all his mistakes. And so it all comes down to this. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you do what God's called you to do, every single day you will prosper. Your food, your, your, your gas, your, your, your house. God will open doors and he will close doors and he will open doors and he will close doors. And at the end of the day, he's going to open a door and says, well done, good and faithful bond servant good and faithful bond servant but until you hear those words get your butt up in the morning take the sleep out of your eyes praise god for your job praise god for your school praise god for your your come on praise god for your team praise god for whatever it is and you may not like it now but guess what you don't get to play in heaven you're not gonna play football in heaven i'm sorry pop says we're gonna work i don't know if we do i don't care but you know what? Enjoy it now. Enjoy your children now. Enjoy your husband now. Enjoy your wife now. Enjoy your church now. Enjoy all these things now. Because as a twinkling and I, we will be sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I guess I can't get into the spiritual warfare yet. But this is how it's going to close. Sit. Walk live and then it says finally someone say finally 
our victory is coming. All your labor and all your hard work is never in vain if it's unto the Lord. I said all your labor and all your tears and all your trials and all your circumstances, David's tears and David's trials and David's living in caves and David's starving and David's being talked about and David this and David that. But there's one day when God calls David home and, and God calls David. Let me tell you, the day David danced into the kingdom was a foreshadow. I said it was a foreshadow when David danced in heaven. So with all eyes closed and heads bowed, to the children that are out there that are complaining, remember, remember what God's teaching you. These valuable lessons are going to help you through society. These valuable lessons are going to do something in your character to see what type, what you're really made of. To those, to those. that have a boss maybe he's acting a little bit like Saul you keep working hard you keep working hard unto the Lord for you work for the Lord not for Saul get up in the morning work say you know what? I'm going to put a good day's wage because I love the Lord and I'm going to do this for God not for man I'm going to do this for God for those who go to school and sometimes you hear things that you may not like those things are what not to do sometimes learn from them and grow from them but we're all bond servants in some way or the other and let me tell you something, you've been purchased by Jesus. And if you've been purchased by Jesus, you have no right to live a lifestyle contrary to this word. If you say that you've been redeemed and you trust him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, why are you hanging out with that person? Why are you hanging out with that person when God told you, he specifically told you, if you touch with the unclean, you shall die. If you eat from that fruit again, you shall die. You, relationships shall die. Friendships shall die. Finances shall die. Things shall die. And it's a form of hell that he's warning you. He's saying, don't sleep with him. Don't sleep with her. Don't go out with him. Don't go out with her. Don't mix your brown with them. Don't do business with them. Don't do business with her. Don't do this and don't do that. And yet we try to help God out. And we wonder why we're hiding and we're miserable like Adam. Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? You were supposed to be a steward over what I gave you. I gave you paradise and it wasn't enough. I gave you, I gave you family and it wasn't enough. I gave you peace and joy and it wasn't enough. And now, because of your sin, I had to give my son my beautiful son my beautiful baby boy I gotta crucify him because you failed and you chose to walk in rebellion and disobedience so I had to put him on a cross naked and butchered and tortured because you thought it was a game that you were getting away with Adam I knew who you were sleeping with I knew what you were eating. I knew what you were doing. And you feel like, oh, I'm getting away with it. You'll never get away with nothing, Adam, because I love you. And I want to clothe you this morning. And I want to help you this morning. And I want to get your mind straight this morning. 
And I'm sick of tired of seeing you struggle. And I'm sick of tired of seeing you sick. And I'm sick of tired of you not being faithful. And I'm sick of tired of these things. You're murmuring and complaining about life. And yet you should be in hell right now. And yet I gave you my son to die for your sin. They ripped his beard apart. They, they ripped his back where you could see his organs. He was up on a cross naked on a hot day. They laughed at him. They spit on him. They tortured him. They beat him with rods. But yet you think it's okay to do what you want to do. You re-crucify him. You re-crucify the one that I sent to die for your sin. And he bleeds. Let me tell you something. I know you watched the movie The Passion and you say, man, that was a gory movie. Thank God he went into the tomb and thank God he went back to heaven. Let me, what if I told you he's still bleeding today? That the blood of Jesus never stops bleeding. His blood is propitiation for your sin. It's a continuing dripping of his blood because of our sin, because of our mistakes. And you know what? We slap him in the face every time we sin against him. We're the ones that spit on him. We're the ones that crucify him. We're the ones that laugh at him. We're the ones that mock him. You say, I'll never do that. And yet you do it with your actions. You're cheating on God. You're fornicating with somebody else when you're supposed to be engaged to the Lord. What gives you the right to do that? Because I'm tired of working. I'm tired. I'm tired. And he was tired too. But he still took your cross. And he was exhausted too. But he still took your sin. In fact, the Bible says that he was so tired that he began to pray and blood began to drip from his head because of the stress of taking our sin. Because of the, the stress of, of being crucified. And yet, church, we had the audacity to come to church with this attitude like oh that's his job that's what he's supposed to do and yet rather than taking it that was my father who died that was my brother who died that was my best friend who died that was the only one that loved me and believed in me that was the only one that never left me nor forsook me that was the only one that never rejected me. That was the only one that got me out of my circumstance. That was the only one that healed me. That was the only one that saved my family, my friends. My, that was the only one that cared about me. After everybody who quit on me and denied me and rejected me, he never rejected me. And yet I could do it to him time and time again. God forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Have mercy on a wretched man that I am. And I know what you're thinking. I hope, he has a, I hope he has an altar call so I can come and ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to have an altar call. Because some of you use this altar call as just the way to get out of things. Well, pastor, you're being rude now. You're, you're, you're not giving us away. Let me tell you something. This altar has no power at all without the blood of Jesus. If you want forgiveness, you ask him yourself. You pick it up. He's the one that gave the cross. You pick it up yourself. 
He says, if any man loves me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Pastor John talked about the, throwing the stick into the water and the axe uh, it floated up in the air. If you want your salvation and you want your peace and you want your family and you want all these things, you cry out to God and say, God, I dropped it. I dropped it. I dropped it. And he threw in the cross into that water. Your family is floating back up. Your marriages are floating back up. Your finances are floating back up. Your friends are floating back up. Your church is floating back up. But you know what? You pick it up. You work it out. You figure it out. You take responsibility. You grow up. You want all these, you know, you want all these, uh, I need a bonus and I need this and I, and I need that and, and, I, and I deserve this and, and I deserve that. So if you want it, you pick it up then. You pick it up at work. You pick it up in your marriages. You pick, come on somebody. You pick it up at practice. You pick it up in school. You pick it up. You pick it up. You pick it up. You pick it up. And you know what? You hear it all the time. Pick it up. And run. Run the race with success. Run the race of prosperity. The real courage. Like God told Jay, uh, Joshua. Be strong, Joshua. Be of good courage. This book of the law shall not depart from you, but you shall meditate on day and night. You shall go and find success. You shall prosper. And let me tell you something. Those promises are for us. Pick it up, Joshua. Moses is dead. Get over it now. You pick it up. You pick up the calling. You pick up the anointing. You pick up the, uh, uh, you pick up the axe. You pick up your cross. You pick it up, Joshua. Let me tell you something. They, they, the word courage today is not even the same as it was before. They give courage for people who step out of a closet. And guess what? All the Christians stepped into the closet and hid. Christians come out of the closet and get courage. Just say I'm wrong and I'm messed up. And you know what, God? I need your help. And you know what God will do? God will heal you. He will heal your... He says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And your land means your marriages, your finances, whatever you do, you shall prosper in the name of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.